everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil. Today we are discussing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. I'm your host, Madison. And I'm Rebecca. Let's get into it. We have a happy year chapter today, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, we finally meet Hagrid again. Yes. <laughs> a proper introduction to Hagrid. Oh, yes. In all of his giant, sweet, lovely, nurturing glory. Yay. We also get Harry's backstory and a little bit of Hagrid's, just a smidge, just to keep us curious. Overall, I this is my favorite chapter that we've read so far. This chapter made me very happy and definitely... Didn't even have to listen to music to feel like, ooh, I'm reading Harry Potter and I'm happy and I'm nine years old again. <laughs> yeah, we finally get some magic. We're finally getting confirmation that we can get away from the Dursleys. Yes. It's just, it's lots of, it's lots of positive vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Which, Which oh, we much needed. Much. <laughs> <laughs> we needed it so much. <laughs> Let's dive into the positive and start with Patronus Fuel, where we talk about something that we love from the text and why. Yes, um, Hagrid. <laughs> Hagrid is what I love from the text. <laughs> no explanation needed. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> That's my main point. I do also like um, just the way that this chapter is written versus the last few. I like mm. how um, how interesting the descriptions are and how... The scenes are described and just it's more magical sounding it's more exciting and it just it's it's a lot happier and it also brings back more of the nostalgia so mm. it's just a very happy chapter for me i think there's something to be said for this is one of the scenes that i felt like in a lot of ways they really just it was a good book to screen transfer mm-hmm like I can see that I can see this scene very vividly in my head, um, influenced by the movie, but not in a not in a way that I'm unhappy about. Where like you know you have your like pre movie ideas about what things look like and what they feel like, and for me, I think the movie really helped some of the my visualization of this chapter. I think I watched the movie when I was like seven, so. I don't really remember what my ideas of it before the movie were. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but I also love the movie, so I don't even care. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's Just one the, of the best ones. It's my favorite one. It's the only one I watch most of the time. I really, to continue gushing about Hagrid, um, Hagrid's anger on Harry's behalf, which, you know, he takes this too far sometimes in the chapter, which we will talk about, but the impact of growing up, not really being able to stand up for yourself and having somebody barge in and have this righteous anger on your behalf and speak out against the people who abused you. That's so empowering. That is such a strong feeling. And, you know, Hagrid isn't perfect, but he's trying and in the spirit of continuing to share stories, I had this happen to me in high school where my boyfriend and now husband uh, stood up for me against somebody who was really cruel to me. And no one had ever done that before. And it 
this chapter reminded me of that feeling of like looking at him and being like, wow, he's mad and he's trying to take care of me and make me feel better. That's having never had that feeling before. Like it's chef's kiss. Amazing. Like couldn't, couldn't ask for a better situation for Harry like after coming off of all of this crap that we read in the first three chapters and then this like sweet, lovely, amazing, fierce giant comes in and <laughs> like tells off the people who have been shit to him for his whole life. So uh, we we like righteous anger. Yes. We, we like it. Especially because we've been so angry at the Dursleys the past few yes. chapters. <laughs> to finally have someone like tell them to their face, like, you're not shit, Vernon. Like, right. I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna take it's, your gun and tie it in a pretzel because you're yeah. nothing, Vernon. <laughs> like it's it's very empowering to be like, yes, yeah. this is what we wanted, and it's happening. <laughs> oh yeah. I just want to throw in. I yeah. love Hagrid's coat. Yes. Like oh as my far God. as like magical objects go, Hagrid's coat is an amazing one. Top five. It's like yeah, it's like um, it's like Hermione's like bag that she charms like way later on, mm. but like so much cooler because it's got the whole coat and he had a whole he had a whole owl in his coat <laughs> like he just pulled an owl out of his pocket how cool is that and he's just got some mice hanging around in there it's great he's he's like a tree in that way we got owls we got mice <laughs> we got little like a happy like fantasy forest woodland tree where everyone can live happily such a good aesthetic I love, I love it Hagrid. so much. <laughs> so our next segment is Enchantingly Nasty. This is something from the chapter that was uh, very upsetting for us or frustrating and that we just do not like. Do you want to go ahead? <laughs> I will. I, I'm i going to keep this brief for now. So okay. the, the fat shaming with Dudley was 100% unnecessary and yucky and Dudley's a child mm -hmm. Dudley's a child and fat shaming is always wrong but do not ever fat shame a child especially <laughs> um That's talk more about that <laughs> I know I know he's hungry he's a kid he's like, growing he's literally he's starving for these sausages and then and then Hagrid's just like, you don't need him anyway. It's like, actually, right. he does. Like, he had nothing to eat all day. But, right. okay, cool. He is a child. A like, child. <laughs> if kids don't eat, then they don't grow. They need to be fed and watered. We all need to be fed and watered at every point in our lives. Very and complicated houseplants. Yes. Yes, we are. I need more than... <laughs> <laughs> what miracle grow to get me through <laughs> i need some sausages every once in a while exactly um and it just it read this really weird like when you have harry who is being painted throughout the books as this like you know he does the morally right thing he is good he is brave and and then the main contrast we have here with Harry and Dudley, besides the fact that like Dudley is mean and Harry is not mean is like that Harry's really thin and Dudley's fat. And I don't like this weird, like, you know, he's thin and he's like not getting enough to eat and look how good he is. It just, 
not only is that like do we have the fat shaming but then there's this weird like i don't know it it gives off the vibe that it's like glorifying his thinness in a way that i think it's always you gotta be careful (laughs) about that because you don't want to promote like eating disorders type behavior or you know like thin spiration i i don't think that was the intent here at all but it i don't know i just got that vibe and it made me uncomfy so it's just something that i think when this was written people were not being as careful as they should have been when they're talking about people's appearances especially children's Mm -hmm. absolutely i'd like to think if she wrote it now it would be better but also i wouldn't read it so i would (laughs) never know (laughs) right (laughs) this is what we have to work with (laughs) and that's fine it's fine so my kind of things that were a little frustrating aren't really major in this chapter there are just a few things that don't make sense to me Mm -hmm. um so first thing would be like what like who is in charge of harry like who is his actual legal guardian Mm -hmm. because it doesn't seem to me like the um dursley's legally adopted him Mm -hmm. um and then even if they did then whenever they're refusing to send him to hogwarts that means that like hagrid and by way of hagrid dumbledore are kidnapping harry (laughs) like literally Vernon outright very clearly states like you will not take him to hogwarts you will not do this and then Hagrid's like, Haha, yeah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> like, obviously it's good. Obviously we don't want him living with the Dursleys. But like, is that like who is who's his guardian then? Like some unless Hagrid is secretly his legal guardian, secretly has custody, like it makes no sense unless he's just like a foster child basically who doesn't have like legal like custodial parents. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the only explanation for it that would make sense from any sort of legal standing right I don't think this was thought about <laughs> in this book at all probably I, not I don't think that she put that much um that much it research into into <laughs> these things <laughs> But then there's the other thing of, like, if he was kidnapped, it's not like the Dursleys can just say, like, to the police, like, my this kid was abducted by wizards and taken to a magical school that Muggle can't see. Right. So, like, it makes you wonder if, like, they just, I mean, they could literally just kidnap children. Yeah. It's kind of horrifying. It just sets a dangerous precedent because, like, obviously, we're yeah. happy with we're happy Harry's taken away, but like, if they can do it with Harry, they can do it with anybody. Mm-hmm. That's not good. <laughs> no, it's there are many things that happen in these books that are just questionable. Like, what is the like, what is the prescribed solution for this? Nobody knows. Okay, cool. <laughs> we have no idea. Awesome. Let's let the kids handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> so that's my confusion for the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So our next segment is Accio Fandom, where we talk about fan art, fan fiction, and other creations made by Potter fans. And Becca, you chose today's Accio Fandom. Yes, today's is about an episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you have not heard of The Gaily Prophet, you should immediately look into it. It's very, mm-hmm. very good. Yes. Um, and it is another podcast, and they... Um, they look into Harry Potter from um, all kinds of lenses, but they're very, um, they do kind of a critical analysis, kind of like what we've been doing, but a lot more in-depth, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, they also... Really, everything I say sounds so, like, I think about saying it, and then I prepare to say it out loud, and it's so cheesy, because it's it's such a... It's such a great podcast and Lark and Jesse both have such like their perspectives on the text are constantly like enlightening me on things that I had never thought about the books before. Yeah. And like, it sounds, I don't know, like, I don't want it to sound cheesy. I respect every single thing out of their mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Even if I don't like necessarily agree with everything, I respect everything that they say. 100%. Like there is so much to gain out of listening to the gaily prophet so please please listen to it and specifically we're talking about episode 18 today yes so episode 18 um is not actually part of their reread it is um, an interview that they did and in that interview they talk about one of their headcanons that they came up with and it's not really a headcanon that we've seen anywhere else in the fandom Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about Hagrid being a trans woman. Yes. Which is super, super interesting. Um, it's very, it's just a really great episode to listen to because they kind of go more into the reasons that they started seeing it this way. And it, it does, it just, it's really beautiful and it makes a lot of sense. And it's very, it's just a very lovely theory. Yeah. They, they interviewed um, May Rude, who is a writer, consultant, a speaker, a trans woman, uh, Latina, and pop culture aficionado, per her website. Y'all, we will link to it um, in the show notes and on social media. Please check it out. Um, this is a really, really lovely episode filled with warm fuzzies and uh incredible analysis as every episode of the gaily prophet has but yeah highly 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 recommend for a like beautiful in-depth look at hagrid as a character yes i think we could try to get into it more but honestly just coming from them it is gonna be so much better so yeah (laughs) i would definitely check that out totally all right our next segment is department of social justice we're gonna talk about issues that we found in the chapter more specifically social justice issues identity politics etc and in this case i'm going to throw this off to madison because you have some things to say i do so let me get uh, into it (laughs) yeah um so i got sources today y'all i am prepared because i am i am i hate fat shaming fat shaming is always wrong and here we have like 
poor Dudley just we've already talked ceaselessly about the Dursley's bodies throughout this book and Dudley who is a child is on the receiving end of some really nasty stuff from like obviously from like Hagrid but and kind of Vernon um, but really it's ultimately the author and the narrator who's using this um so fat shaming is wrong morally (laughs) ethically we should not ridicule people for the way that they look and if you have any questions about why that is maybe you should like talk to a therapist or something because this is really basic stuff here yes um it's fucked up we do not judge people by the way they look we should judge people by their actions and their character and Sometimes it's like, oh, but I'm concerned about how healthy people are. Well, you don't There's need There's a lot to of concern for how healthy people are that from strangers. And it's like, I don't think you care about my health. You don't. And like, quite frankly, like it doesn't matter if somebody is like healthy or not. Obviously, we hope people are in good health. But mm-hmm. like, it can be really ableist to just try and, you know, say, oh, you're unhealthy and that's not good. Like, it's not your business. Just, yeah. stay, just stay out shush get out of here beyond being wrong Mm -hmm. and it's (laughs) we are learning as science improves that it it is factually most likely based on new studies that are coming up the idea that being fat makes you unhealthy is like not necessarily true so i have I can link to some of the sources. We could take a picture of a graph from the book that I have about this because this is... We have sources, guys. I I have all the sources here. Like, I've been... Anyone wants to get in a, like, Facebook argument with us. We're prepared. Yes. We, <laughs> we are ready for this one. So if you... There's a study done, and it looks at people with different BMIs who engage in certain health-promoting behaviors... So these were like regular movement, like physical activity, exercise, etc., eating fruits and vegetables throughout the day, having moderate alcohol consumption, and whether you smoke or not. So when you engage in all four health-promoting behaviors, people who engage in all those things had almost identical disease risk. So like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, etc., doesn't matter what your BMI is, if you are doing those things, everybody has the same risk. Also, now that risk changes. Oh, sorry. Also, BMI is like complete bullshit on its own. Like it's not a measure of, it's not even a measure of how fat people are. Because people who have like a lot of muscle tone, like athletes, mm-hmm. are so technically considered to have like too high of a BMI to be considered like healthy, healthy yeah. on that scale because they're heavy for their height. But they're heavy because of like just pure muscle. Like right. it literally does not account for your fat percentage at no, all. It doesn't. And it's like these things will change. Like, so if you aren't engaging in health promoting behaviors, then BMI can have an effect on the risk. But acting like BMI and like body size itself and your weight is a like, is a judgment you know you can just tell if somebody's healthy based on how they look or not is absolutely not the case it is unequivocally false based on science um we will have sources (laughs) because 
that is important to know. And so you look beyond this. So, you know, you may still see like a lot of people who are considered overweight or who are fat still have health problems. And the thing is, these we have more studies that look into this and they control for BMI, race, gender, socioeconomic status. So when you are fat, and especially if you experience fat shaming, you have stigma-induced stress. So the stigma of being fat creates stress and it increases your likelihood to have substance abuse disorders and other anxiety and mood disorders. Well, those things are on those health promoting behaviors list. So it just it's just this like awful vicious cycle that people get put through and I'm getting angry so I'm probably not putting everything into as clear a line as I initially wanted to but it's because there's a lot of research out there to show us that like there's a lot of stigma a lot of people out there are making claims and they don't know what they're talking about and i mean we could have a whole conversation about how this is all just because we have a health and wellness industry that wants to take money from people beyond this beyond being factually incorrect and morally and ethically incorrect <laughs> fat <laughs> fat phobia has its origins in racism so if you want to read about this you should read sabrina strings fearing the black body the racial origins of fat phobia which talks about the historical origins of fat phobia and its roots in the transatlantic slave trade um so I would like to read a brief quote from an interview with uh, Sabrina Strings, the author, which is, at the onset of the transatlantic slave trade, skin color was often used to determine racial belonging. But by the 18th century, skin color, after years of interracial sex in the colonies, proved a poor sorting mechanism. What we had by the 19th century was a new racial discourse that suggested black people were also inherently voracious. Combine this with the displacement of poor Europeans in the 19th century, the Irish, Southern Italians, Russian Jews, etc., and white Americans were being advised to fear black people, as well as these degraded, in quotes, or supposedly, in quotes, part black Europeans, who were also purportedly identifiable by their weight and their skin color. So goes into the history here about, at this point, Fatphobia didn't have to do with health or perceptions of health. It had to do with race and being a way to identify people who were like uh, not the like, you know, the white Protestant blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Very sciencey there. So, so that's, you know, <laughs> you know, this is fat shaming is wrong. Fatphobia is misguided and now we get to the point here i guess where it connects back with the text where um we don't really talk a lot about how fat shaming and fat phobia and eating disorders affect uh men and specifically i'm talking really about cis men here um i couldn't find anything that would be i couldn't really find anything that would like differentiate between cis men and trans men um so this is just you know, regarding cis men mostly. And um, eating disorders have one of the highest mortality rates of any mental illness. They have the highest mortality rate 
And um, a lot of times what will happen is like folks with eating disorders will end up dying by suicide. And men, cis men particularly, are more likely to die by suicide and actually pass away. Um, And this is a really sad, horrible thing that happens that we just don't really talk about. And Dudley here is in this category. And I just, it makes me really, really sad to see him going through this experience that is so, so, so fucked up and so traumatizing and can completely destroying your sense of self and experiencing body dysmorphia and not being able to tell how you look or having a good perception of yourself. And so it's really shitty that um, anybody has to endure this and the stigma that is, you know, that many men face for not being able to seek help for mental health issues like eating disorders um, amplifies these problems and is part of the reason why they're not as well studied as eating disorders in other groups. So it just, uh, I really had to get on a soapbox here for Dudley because this is, this is really nasty that um, this is a pervasive issue in society and I want Dudley to be like happy with himself and I want him to be confident in his body. And I'm glad that later he, you know, is able to find things that he enjoys doing with his body, like moving around and boxing, even if he's hitting other people, that, that, that part's not great. But like, <laughs> we like the part where he's like engaging in something that brings him like happiness. Yeah. Um, so I hopefully, you know, this isn't something that as a character completely, you know, devastates the course of his life. There's no way to know because we don't talk to him enough. But um, I really yeah. wish that he had the school therapist that he had in that fan fiction that I talked about the other week. Yes. Because in that fan fiction, he, was just, he responded so well to having a school therapist and someone to talk to about things. And it was just so nice that I really, I wish he had that in this because it would be so good. Because if he did have issues with like dysmorphia and things, like who's he going to talk to? Yeah. Because like his parents are just going to be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Or, oh, who called you fat? We'll beat him up or something. Like, I really don't think they would ever like genuinely like understand why he was upset Mm -hmm. i don't know not not in a way that would lead to anything super helpful i think just because it's it's a very it can feel like a very complicated issue when you're going through something like that and you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is also like kind yeah and i think that I don't think that his parents fit those <laughs> criteria. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are not equipped to no. give yeah. him the help he needs. I am pretty well versed in eating disorder science and um, body science when it comes 
to, for for an amateur uh, who is not a scientist. So please don't take my word as law. Do your own research. I will provide my sources. And if there's anybody listening who has other information that they would like to bring to our attention, please reach out. And just know that if you're fat, you're awesome. You're great. And I love you. Okay. So kind of tying into wishing that Dudley had a therapist, our next segment is Chocolate with Madame Pomfrey. Yes. In which we imagine mental health care in the wizarding world or in the muggle world. Because it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Nobody has it <laughs> anywhere. It's not a thing. So we need to create it. Yes. Um, so yeah, I talked a little bit about Dudley needing therapy because, or just like any sort of support system. He just needs a support system. Like somebody to care about him and want to help him do better. Yeah. His parents look at him like he's, like they, they live so vicariously through him. It's like he's not even a person. Yeah. It's very um, sad. <laughs> it is. Like, you know, they get the tail taken care of, but Dudley, <laughs> we know from the next books, he has post-traumatic stress from this. Like, he is terrified of wizards and magic, and th- this has long-term implications for, like, the rest of his life. You know what it reminds me of is the way that he's, because he's scared of it the same way his parents are scared of it. And it's, like, if your parents are afraid of something, it's very, very likely for you to be afraid of things. It's, oh, yeah. So my mom was always afraid of, um, she, she really didn't like, um, like, butterflies or dragonflies, like, landing or something, because their legs are so delicate. Like, she just, mm. it creeped out a bit. Because of that, um, probably because of that, almost definitely. My sister's, like, super afraid of butterflies. Wow. Yeah. And then my partner has the same thing with um, spiders, where their mom was very afraid of spiders, and now they, like, can't go anywhere near it, which is an issue, because I also don't like spiders, but now I'm the one who has to take care of spiders, and I'm not happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's really... Because I have I have a story like that too, where my mom is terrified of needles, would mm-hmm. like hide from the doctor when her children were getting shots, mm-hmm. and now like I've always had a trouble with needles, so mm-hmm. this should you know Petunia should have taken care of that fear because mm-hmm. look what Vernon too both of them just the way that they respond to even hearing about magic mm-hmm. is. Like, even before we got into things, like, whenever Harry was talking about his dream, dreaming about a flying motorcycle, like, Vernon was just like, motorcycles don't fly. Like, <laughs> no. Like, like, it was so intensely opposed to, like, anything outside of reality. And I think that, I mean, that must just be very strange to grow up as a, a kid who is not supposed to have an imagination. Yeah. The self-fulfilling, not self-fulfilling, but the prophecy of, like, Vernon reacting in the last chapter, like, no, no magic, no letters, blah! Mm -hmm. And then it finally arrives, the thing that he's afraid of, and Dudley suffers from it and, like, sees, oh, this thing my dad was afraid of, he was right to be afraid of it, look how I was hurt by it. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty obvious, like, there's there's a very good 
reason for him to be having a trauma response to this. Mm -hmm. I think some, let's get into these memories. Let's unpack this. Let's figure out how we can show you that magic is okay. And not every wizard or witch or magician or whatever is going to try and turn you into a pig. Yeah. I mean, then Harry uses it to like threaten him later on. It really doesn't help. No, it really doesn't. And then Fred and George do not make anything better. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh, it's like they don't make anything better, but God damn it. Like they they make me laugh with everything it's a they good do. Scene, though. I can't. It's very sad. It is. It's yeah. awful. It's awful. And they're just so blase about it. It's like To be fair though, their dad does get mad at them. They're like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> They are, unlike Hagrid, like, they know Dudley has been tormenting Harry for a long time and are, you know, trying to enact justice. They're not just retaliating. Yeah. Plus, at, they're kids, too. So. They are. They're children. Mm-hmm. Um, Hagrid is not, but uh, but he's Hagrid, so we can forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> so, we... The other thing we talked about is we found out we disagreed, but I have changed my mind to agree with you. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hagrid is the best person for this job, despite the things that go wrong. It's great that he's here. Yes. Do you want to explain what your original stance was? Yeah. Um, okay. I think initially I thought I was real caught up in the fat shaming. I don't know if y'all noticed that from earlier um (laughs) but that made me really mad and so i was like okay like hagrid clearly can't do this like he's just getting too mad like we need dumbledore here we need mcgonagall um he you know hagrid couldn't control his temper so like we needed somebody here who would be able to you know get harry out tell him the information he needed and deal with the dursleys maybe you know let them know in a more um, conversational way rather than a putting a pigtail on your butt way <laughs> that they were <laughs> not doing things right um, and yeah that's that's where my thoughts were at first right we know McGonagall doesn't support turning children into animals Draco the bouncing ferret was not one of her favorite parts of Goblet of Fire I think she liked it I think she just couldn't show that she liked it <laughs> that's, I that's... genuinely believe that <laughs> Like in her head, she was like, "Nice job." <laughs> about time someone did this. <laughs> about damn time this punk. <laughs> I think that the Dursleys would not have sat down and had a conversation about this. There's mm-hmm. just they they wouldn't have they wouldn't have worked. I don't think. Um, and McGonagall, I think also probably she gets very protective of Harry too, and I feel like she probably would have had a temper as well. And I think that maybe she wouldn't have attacked Dudley, but she probably would have like turned Vernon into a whole pig. Like (laughs) I could easily see that. Yes. Which like, you know, she would be able to turn him back at least if she wanted to. Right. But still (laughs) should not do. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like McGonagall 
would be just as upset as Hagrid. I feel like McGonagall would be just as protective of Lillian James's memory. I feel mm. like she would be just as defensive of Dumbledore. And so I, I think that Hagrid works. And then Hagrid's also a lot more open about his protectiveness and his, um, his kindness and just maternal energies, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think McGonagall is a lot more reserved. And so I think that having somebody come in and protect Harry and and tell him all these things, I think it was nice coming from uh, Hagrid. And then for Dumbledore, like Dumbledore didn't think that Harry needed to know this stuff to begin with. I mean, he yeah. literally told Hagrid, like, he's he might not, there might be some gaps in what he knows about everything. And then he just sent Hagrid off with that, which is super not helpful at preparing Hagrid for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then it also is upsetting that he didn't think that Harry needed to know all of these things. Um, because Hagrid literally says, like, something about Dumbledore not wanting to know. And then he says, like, but she couldn't go off to Hogwarts not knowing. Right. Which I think is true. Like, he, he couldn't go off to Hogwarts not knowing that he's famous. He couldn't go off not knowing the real reason that his parents died. And he definitely couldn't go off into a school where everybody else knew all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, like, I think Hagrid was definitely... I think he handled... 98% of the task very well. Yes. And I think that as we were talking, I thought about how it's Harry's such an outsider in this situation, and Hagrid is very familiar with being an outsider. And I think that uh, his understanding of not exactly what Harry's going through, but of that feeling of being on the outside of the wizarding world and not quite being the same as everybody else. Um, you know, that, that informs him to know like, Oh, well, like he has to know this stuff. If he doesn't know this stuff, he's going to be even more on the outside and feel more isolated and be less equipped to move into this entirely new situation. Hagrid is, <laughs> it's great. He's so good. (laughs) I love him so much. I know. He's so pure. He is. He's he's sweet and he's kind and he like he may not be perfect, but damn it, he's trying. He's always trying. He's perfect. (laughs) Our final segment is into the pensive, where we reflect on this chapter and what it means to us and what we can take moving forward from it. If we're using fan creations like fan fiction and fan art and other fan podcasts to help us solve some of the problems that we see in the text, like using this chapter, like this chapter is like that bandage for Harry and for the readers. Like we finally get to this, yes, the magic is here moment where it gives me the same feeling reading some of those fan fictions did where I was like, yes, this is what I wanted for these characters. And now here in the actual text is the first time that I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted for Harry. Get away from these people. Go with Hagrid. Have the time of your life. Go crazy, kid. 
yeah, we want to get some relief from all of the very upsetting things. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is, I don't know. It's like, this is the, we talked to so many people who used these books for escapism. And I feel like this is the perfect pivot of the series into that escapism. We're going out of the Muggle world and into the place that we love so much. And I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah. I think that a lot of what we talked about in all the interviews was people were saying that they got to escape into Hogwarts and we're finally, Harry is finally getting to escape into Hogwarts. So it's, it's a very nice um, connection to make of seeing Harry escape from this really terrible place to go into the magical world. And it's something that I think a lot of people who use Harry Potter as a coping mechanism or as um, something for escapism it's it's just the perfect um, it's just the perfect chapter for that because it really introduces the idea that there's somewhere else to go that we don't have to stay in this terrible place yes absolutely the feeling of like a benevolent force watching over you has arrived and that benevolent force is Hagrid and yes. That's great. <laughs> Hagrid being here just makes me very happy. <laughs> I know. We get a whole other chapter of Hagrid coming up, and I'm so excited for it. <laughs> I'm so excited for Diagonally. We just get to see all of the magic, and it's great. Yes. And I love Harry in Diagonally. Just in every book, anytime he's in Diagonally, he just turns into this idiot, and I love it. I know. He's just like, I need a gold cauldron. And Hagrid's like, it doesn't say a gold cauldron. It says like a pewter one or something. And Harry's just like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but like, I want it. Yeah. And later he's just like, he has to tell himself to not buy like gold like scales or something. It's like, why do you want gold everything, Harry? <laughs> I don't know. Like, calm down. <laughs> I love it though. It's, it's so relatable. Like you walk into, I mean... N- it's like I were... you get your paycheck and you just like go out go shopping and you're like, I can get anything I want. <laughs> I'm getting fancy cheese today. Yes. It's like, I'm not getting a store brand today. <laughs> no, get a sir. name brand. <laughs> yep. Ooh. I want, I want fancy cheese now. I want... I want... Have you been to Tillamook since you moved here? I haven't. Okay. First of all, definitely recommend doing the drive during the day. Because once you get into the forest on that drive, it is very, very dark. Even during the day, it gets darker. So it's just so many trees. <laughs> go to Tillamook, go through the little tour thing after COVID's over, and just get all of the cheese. It's so good. They have a little grocery thing where you can just buy a bunch of cheese. They have a little restaurant where you can eat a bunch of cheese things. They have a little like ice cream thing where you can try like 20,000 different kinds of Tillamook ice cream. So good. Well, I need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing this weekend? Is the pandemic over yet? mm. I think they actually are open, so they're probably doing social distancing things. But I'll wear a mask. Something to look into, for sure. Highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Badass. Get a sample cheeses, too. Oh, my God. Little tiny cubes of, like, every, like, a bunch of different kinds of cheeses. Sample cheeses 
is mm-hmm. everything that I <laughs> I recently made it onto charcuterie TikTok and I can't I cannot leave. It is these beautiful like pulling the aluminum wrapper, like the foil wrapper off of the brie and like washing the little baby grapes they're so little they're so teensy they're so cute and like (laughs) dropping them artfully over the crackers and the prosciutto and i'm uh, i did not know that was a thing it's it looks so 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 good and i love finger food and you know what would have been now i just want charcuterie because i'm thinking about it what i think about i think about it enough already and now i'm thinking Uh, (laughs) you can join us next week to discuss chapter five diagon alley (laughs) diagonally (laughs) in the meantime you can follow us on social media on instagram and facebook we are beyond the veil pod and on twitter we are beyond the veil mn (laughs) we just pick him up and we sing it to him for some like, reason wrong with you? <laughs> I know that you sent it to me and I've listened to it but in my head I am singing <laughs> this is a specific reference it's from the Rugrats in Paris movie where it's the Reptar musical and she's like Reptar but instead it's like Hagrid I love you <laughs> I know that's, that's not what you incredible. sent me. Incredible. But... That might be better. <laughs> <laughs>